Welcome to Unleash Love, episode number four. Today, I'm going to be talking about the power of communication, long-distance relationships, and setting expectations with the beautiful and eternally positive Christine Crouch. Christine is a holistic health and wellness expert living and working from Germany with her partner. I think you'll get a lot of value out of this episode, especially if you're in or considering long-distance relationships, and definitely if you're going for a serious long-term one. So enjoy the episode and let me know what you think by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform. I think we're lucky. When did you know that you were going to be traveling to Germany to kind of like start new? I suppose that's what you've done, right? You started fresh. Absolutely. Well, it was kind of um, maybe two weeks before leaving because my boyfriend had actually asked me if it hadn't been for that, I wouldn't be here, of course, because he's part German and Filipino for that matter. So it was about two weeks before actually setting off and coming here that I knew that I'd be leaving, but it was very up in the air that he would be coming here and then he decided, hey, come with me. And so then um, very short, very quick turnaround and then getting here and then that was super surreal moving from the Philippines hyper protection mask wearing which is important to here where people are more liberal and they only wear their masks in closed spaces and then moving in between like restaurants and things like that yeah yeah Germany is known as I think it's got an international reputation as being kind of like an epicenter of efficiency uh, so when you talk about this whole uh, phenomenon of just wearing the masks in a liberal sense a lot of people you know the countries may you know bat their eyelids at that and kind of wonder what are you talking about you have to wear it all the time and I feel there maybe you know do you think this is just like a it's like a common sense thing right I mean you look at the data and you go okay we you know we just need to be logical and not over you know overly uh I mean what do you think <laughs> There's so much about it, especially when it comes to masks. And then you have people who wear masks and they touch the front of their mask. And then it just defeats the purpose of wearing it in the first place because they're touching things and touching their face and all of this. But I think at the end of the day, if people, I guess, are aware of how much they touch their face in general and how to just be hygienic and and aware of whether they're sneezing and coughing and covering their mouth because people still don't do that here. I see people like sneezing all over the place and it's like just general, you know, courtesy of the person next to you and just like common sense. <laughs> people would deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, yeah, and it surprises me. And so if at the end of the day, it just needs to come to that, which is, which is interesting because even before this whole thing, we should already have been acting that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, it does put things into perspective, doesn't it? I mean, like how easily things like this transmit. But um, hey, you said, so you said you started fresh. What did you leave behind? Oh, what didn't I? Uh, I, I left my winter clothes, funny enough, <laughs> being in Manila. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm struggling. I'm like, I need to build my winter wardrobe again. It was that fast of a decision. You were like, don't need these right now. I'm just going to go. <laughs> yeah. didn't know how long I would be gone for and just took what I needed. But um, what I did leave were my parents. My parents are in the Philippines. They're in Manila. Um, some belongings, but I'm, I'm quite a minimalist. I travel with very little and I need very little. Right. Yeah. But apart okay. from that, yeah. But apart from that, um, being able to travel and be mobile and on your laptop and everything, but the things I left were mainly physical and then friendships and parents. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The friendships, the, the, the connections, the, the job you, you were, well, the first time that I guess I bumped into you, uh, through, I don't know, our networks or mutual connections or whatever you were, mm -hmm. um, working as a you I, I can't even remember what you were working as but you were doing something that was pretty cool you were traveling around for your job anyway and that's why we were we almost bumped into each other in colombia but it didn't happen yeah. Uh, yeah. did you did you did you did you leave for your partner did i leave uh colombia no so so about a little bit about that so i guess i am used to this mobile life because for the last nearly four years i've been traveling for work so i would move every three months and i moved from city to city from week to week and that was on a business journalism and sales job which i was doing and so I left Colombia. I actually went from Colombia and then I went to Panama to do a six week project. But then that's when things are really breaking out in terms of the pandemic. So the company sent us all home, made sure we were safe. And so that's why I left. And so after about five months or so, we're actually running up again. So I'm back at work just on an online basis so running all my meetings online from germany all right okay so you're still with them that's interesting yeah i remember you were uh showing me photos of panama and i was like oh my god that's a beautiful unit in a view yeah it's crazy how amazing the uh the the the, the views are in south america and latin america uh which is why i'm going back on the fifth <laughs> congrats but yeah we uh we're lucky we're we're some of the lucky ones uh i think right now to be able to travel around and do this kind of thing um what would you say is the the most important thing for you right now in terms of your life goals like what's your major aspiration is it the relationship that's a big question but yeah. i mean I, I like it i like it um, I would say that my goals are very much in line with, in terms of the relationship I'm in, I'm glad to say that the goals that I have, and even before being in this current relationship, those are my goals. And now they're just very much aligned. So I am also, I love to travel. I am also in like the health, fitness, lifestyle sphere and right. And so I guess my aspirations would be to continue to build online, online business, online coaching, and then eventually open something more physical, whether it be a cafe, a health cafe, restaurant, that kind of thing, and to continue traveling. Uh, and I pretty much now have three bases, uh, the Philippines, Australia, and Europe, at the moment, Germany. 
So that would also continue down the line just to establish bases in all of these locations, be able to jump between and around the world whenever that's possible and run these businesses. Wow, you've really thought about that. That's awesome. Yeah. So you you said you're in, into health and fitness. I, I noticed that. So is that something that is really become like a like a uh, something you're pursuing as a kind of a career change? Well, it's something that I've always been passionate about. So I I got certified. I am a Zumba instructor, so fitness. I love that side of things. And then I got certified as a plant based nutrition specialist. So that's another side. And then I also then over the course of the quarantine period got certified as a holistic health and wellness coach. So um, now I am taking more time to establish myself as that and to build that business. But prior to it, I was still doing it kind of on the side. So giving workshops, lectures, um, coaching and seminars, things like that. But definitely now I would like to funnel into moving that into a more established uh, business and to grow that side as a health professional. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a kind of like an evergreen business model that, you know, no one's, you're always going to have a demand for that, right? And that's it's just a growing and growing demand as people get more and more unhealthy, more disconnected, less happy. We have quite a bit in common, actually. Um, I, you know, you talking about all this stuff. I used to train uh, I used to physically train people, but I also used to, I went to university and studied naturopathic nutrition as well, which was really cool. And that changed my life. I mean, geez, there's so much in the realm of, you know, uh, that natural approach to just the food you eat even, but then, you know, lifestyle choices that I think many people haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg on, you know, we're just so caught up in, in everyday life. We're so busy. We're so, um, addicted to, uh, distractions and junk food and things like that. But if only people can take some time and really just, you know, break that cycle, they'll start to see through the clouds. There's this whole different life waiting for them where they've got more energy and they've got more enjoyment. And that's what happened to me. That's really, I think that's what happened to me. I, I used to work in a dead end job. Um, and, uh, and I, I remember every day I would go to like this food stall around the corner from the office and they served the oiliest, greasiest food you could imagine, like sausages and, and, and bacon that they did on a griddle with egg and then all the oil kind of mixed together. They'd throw it into a bun and then, you know, you'd eat that at lunchtime and you'd be knocked out for the whole day. And I know I'm rambling here, but basically what I'm trying to say is that's the lifestyle a lot of people live and they're never going to break out of it until they take it. So social media is huge, right? In terms of when you're creating your content, you're going online and you're just publishing that stuff and reaching people who are interested in changing. Do you, have you seen much traction with that? Like are people really engaging with you now and asking you questions and getting interested? I think um, it really just depends. Social media is huge, like you said. And, and in this current time, prior to it, I was engaging more physically in seminars and things like that. But now we have to shift and really focus on online. And it's great because it's it's um, it's boundless. It's, there's no boundaries. Um, 
But it, with social media, it really is about how much time you put in and then getting that engagement. Because I do, I have noticed that during this quarantine period, um, when I was able to focus on it more than just having it on the side, I was getting more of that one-on-one, -on -one, like people would message me, people I had I didn't even know. So these are people outside of my friend circle. So now branching out into people that just heard from a friend or just came across my profile online and then they're messaging me personally. Um, like I sent a newsletter yesterday and then I got a response from some stranger who follows and um, I even got this video of a girl who was encouraging her friends and put her own video together and um and the workouts that i do and that's what i love to see but uh, it definitely does take a little bit more time investment to be able to see more of that traction and output and engagement and then of course planning the content making sure it's valuable and unique enough to stand out a little bit above the rest because there's so much material and content out there and a lot of fitness professionals and content creators oh, yeah. so, so absolutely yeah and, and you so you're going in i would say you're going into one of the most competitive niches you can do <laughs> But your stuff's really good. I mean, I've watched it and you, you, you obviously know what you're doing and you've got a good like brand already. So I think you're going to, you know, it's really going to, going to work out. Yeah. Like you said, it's just about um, consistency, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah humble beginnings. Yeah. And it's so fun to start something that you're passionate about, that you've wanted to do for a long time. I mean, the energy is half of it. Um, I, yeah. I have chased money a lot in my life. You know, chasing money, chasing an idea. Someone else put it in my head and I saw it trending and I was like, you know, I should do that. Right. So my passion wasn't there. And that was really one of the reasons why you have to go through those things, I think, to kind of to kind of really figure out what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Um, but that's what I'm doing now, actually, with this as well, with the whole relationships podcast. Um, I have failed and failed and failed with relationships. And now I feel like I'm ready to share those failures with people. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, it's an interest. I think like yours, Evergreen, mine here, the relationships is also Evergreen, you know, uh, unless we all become uh you know, non-binary kind of like not interested in each other kind of species, which probably hopefully won't happen. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to get someone on to talk about gender uh, related culture issues right now. That would be a fascinating, mm -hmm. fascinating and probably controversial episode. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's really, uh, that's really where I'm at right now. And, um, I wanted to talk to you actually, you know, because you are, uh, having, uh, an, a successful relationship, um, from what we can see with someone who is obviously from far away. And I, I don't know how you guys met. Maybe you can, uh, you know, illuminate me on that. Uh, how did you finally get to be together? And from what point to now does that look like? How did that start? And, what happened in the middle? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, well, it's funny because although he is from Germany, he was in Manila at the time, and I was actually in Manila at the time as well, but um, I had a couple of weeks before I was leaving for Colombia, 
So right. it's funny. Because, yeah. So it's funny because we had actually met through a common friend. So we were out, I was out with, with a guy friend and, um, and a friend introduced us and instantly I thought that he was, that he was really attractive and I wanted to get to know him, but he was very kind of like, you know, independent, happy, go lucky, chill. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna be around. Maybe he's not interested. Yeah. And, and so that night ended and, um, and what's really, okay, when it comes to social media and I'm going to tell you something, which, you know, I, I generally don't like add guys on, you know, Instagram and things like that. But I really, I just thought this guy was so cute. I found him online and I just like followed him and it was one of those profiles where it's private and just like unashamed, I was like, I'm gonna follow you. That, and that's request. interesting. I think that that definitely would, yeah, show someone that you're really, really interested when you're following them and it's private, yeah. 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 And then a week later, um, it was actually my birthday and that same friend that introduced us had kind of uh, organized this birthday thing for me, but I'm super in Tagalog, you know, Lola mode. You kind of just like grandma, you just want to stay at home and chill. And I was like, eh, I don't know. But I ended up going and he was there. Lo and behold, he was there. You go. And, but it's funny because I arrived with another, a different guy friend. Anyway, down the line, I, he told me that he thought at the first, when he first met me and when we were first introduced, like he, he also, he thought I was together with that guy. He thought, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. he thought I was together with the first guy. And so that's why he was a little bit, all right, not going to engage. And then the second time I show up with a different guy. So he was like, maybe she wasn't with this guy. Maybe she's with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but then later that over, over the course of the evening, he realized I was not engaging. Like he's just a friend and I was engaged more with him because we had the opportunity to talk and yeah so that's how things started um i we had a week to get to know each other and then i left for colombia so we really made the most of every day we really clicked and then i left we stayed in touch so that was a bit of the long distance that we did too and then i was sent home a little earlier so we were pleased about that yeah. and um then spent time together in manila and then decided to move to germany so hold on. So uh, interesting, right? Thanks for thanks for explaining that to me because I obviously had no idea about that. But um, so you guys went to Germany together from Manila, yes. right? So he basically invited you to go, and you were like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." Awesome. So, awesome. Mm. That's super exciting as well because I can just put myself in that situation where you know I'm I'm just taking kind of like a, well I mean it, it was it was quite fast if we'll be honest right I mean it's quite a it's quite a fast thing but I I, I don't I'm not the kind of person who says this one hard and fast rule for every relationship or every kind of you know, situation in life. I think it really depends on a lot of things. And if you felt that strongly towards someone, then you, you know, you had all the legitimacy behind your decision. Um, I think it's when people jump into something unsure that things start to go awry. So I'm really happy for you that that happened. And it seems like it's almost, um, divine, shall we say, even though that's not something I believe in either, but you know, sometimes the cards line up nicely that way and, and things work out. So, um, 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Also, on your point about the fact that he didn't want to approach you because he thought that you were with someone else, um, that happens a lot. I mean, I've noticed that happens a lot. Uh, and I think it's a very tricky situation. You you probably don't want to go in head first if you're if you don't know if they're actually in a relationship or if they're courting or if they're dating someone. Um, but think about all the missed opportunities people have where they kind of mistakenly think that they can't talk to someone in a certain way or flirt with them or whatever, or show their interest and they've missed that opportunity and it wasn't even a real thing. So, um, Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, the fact that you kind of pursued that avenue just to find out was probably the thing that gave you the opportunity to have the relationship because, you know, if you hadn't done that, right, it, it, it probably, we probably wouldn't have seen him again and he probably wouldn't have contacted you. Exactly. And, and then when I look back on that, the opportunity is so slim in these situations, right? Like when you're talking about missed opportunity or just one move that makes a difference and then the time and that, that window of opportunity is so slim and it could happen or it could and it might not. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, what I'm thinking is people listening to this might be the kind of person who is more concerned about hurting someone's feelings or being hurt, rejected, you know, that kind of like, if I do reach out to this person or if I do show them that I'm interested and I find out they actually are with that person or they're not available, it's going to kind of like be crushing, soul crushing to me. But I am a believer in just kind of going for it no matter what, because we only have one life, right? Exactly. And you don't want to live thinking, what if? Yeah. You don't want to regret things when you're later on. I have met someone relatively recently who I got really quite close to. And, um, she's, she's based in Russia. And what happened was we had talked about meeting numerous occasions. And, um, uh, I think I took too long actually to actually make the arrangements, but it was very difficult because of the current situation globally with the, with the virus and everything. I think it was, uh, just really bad timing and unfortunate because one day she messaged me to let me know that she'd gone into a relationship with someone. And I was kind of like, shit. <laughs> you know, I really kind of was interested and wanted to see if that would work out, but look, that's life. It's okay. There's billions of people on the planet and literally exactly. And so that's why I say things like I'm not really a believer in divinity or soulmates or, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know what you think. Do you believe in that kind of thing? I think that in these situations, like, like you've said, if you miss an opportunity, it doesn't mean that there's not the next person for you who might even be better. You wouldn't know. So I don't, I'm, I'm part of, I guess, that, um, that party that believes there is not that one person for you. But then if you meet the right person, a right person at the right time, and you have goals that are aligned and um, character and all of this, then great. And you work it out and that's how it happens. But um, 
if, if it doesn't or you miss an opportunity, it doesn't mean that there's not another person there for you that might actually even be better than the last. Mm, yeah. Do you think that most people kind of settle with their partner because they think it's going to be too difficult for them to find someone else or, you know, like get back into the game and maybe they just need to figure it out and work it out? You know, I, I feel like based on my own experience, I've definitely settled way too many times than I should have. So I would think that people might do that too. Yeah. Yeah. What happened with you? What happened on your side? Yeah. I mean, you've obviously learned from that. What do you think it was that was the reason you shouldn't settle? I think it was... There are like, you know, maybe there are fears that come into play, like um, maybe this is that person don't want to don't need to spend time looking for someone else. But I think it's also it also comes with inexperience um, and maybe just in that process of coming to understand who you are and what you want, because when I was in those relationships and then I started traveling the world and actually knowing more about myself and what I wanted, I realized, whoa, hold on. I'm actually in something that um, I'm settling less for. And there's 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 definitely more for me um, and, and more that I want out of a relationship. Mm -hmm. So it came with exposure and experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a learning curve. Um, mm. But let me ask you this. In terms of the culture and society today with regards to relationships and uh, promiscuity, how, how important do you think it is for us to kind of hold on to maybe some of the values that our previous generations had? Cause I think I've spoken to uh, the guests on this topic and it's something that I think about often because I'm constantly trying to review how I deal with relationships and whether I'm making the right choices based on uh, like almost like an objective reality versus a subjective kind of cultural influence or, you know, societal influence. So what I mean is, do you think we as a generation now and the younger generations too have lost a lot of the principles and the kind of the, the, the values that kept us together, even if we had problems before and is that good or bad? Cause you know, maybe it's not a good thing. Right. I think that when it comes to the values of being together, and, and we'll talk about this in more detail, like communication being a key, playing a key role in that. But I'm, I, I feel that with social media and so many kind of, there's just so much stimulus around more than before, because it's so much more accessible and it's just there that there might be temptations, whether it be temptations to jump out of those values that, you know, were so previously ingrained because those weren't issues that they faced before. They didn't yeah, face, like you know, you on your back in the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or these ads that you don't want to see or, you know, whatever it is, or people sending you this and that or whatever it is. 
And so I do feel that nowadays there can be the issue of people becoming desensitized a little bit and then kind of losing touch of what it means to or what it did mean before and what it should mean or what it means to them or it's all very subjective, right, Um, at the end of the day. But but I do feel there's a lot of factors. And so it, it's so important to be found in what you believe in. And it doesn't mean that those things are going to disappear, but it just means that you need to be able to handle those things and work appropriately to to stick to what you believe in and in the relationship you're in, in the best way possible, despite all of the influx of information coming in from all directions and people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Wow, I could we could talk all day about social networks and circles. You know, um, I personally believe that your own social circle is is so much more responsible for the outlook on your life than you would give it credit for. Actually, anybody, and so associating yourself with people who are going to bring good energy and you know, support and knowledge and education and wisdom into your life is essential. Uh, But what really tends to happen is, at least with, you know, friends I have, um, or uh, ironically friends I have, right? Because I I, I would say I'm no saint when it comes to this kind of thing. But... um, Mm -hmm. We, we do keep people in our lives that maybe aren't serving us well and it influences us at the end of the day. Um, and it, it, you know, like even to the point where we're letting it affect us from our partner's side, you know, the partner's family perhaps is, is, is a hurdle we have to kind of like sometimes deal with. How are your parents and the parents of your partner? Do you think there's a compatibility there? <laughs> <laughs> Well, interestingly enough, I'd say there's more of a compatibility than my previous relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's a super positive. Like, you know, it's for the first time I come into it and it's like, oh, this is what it feels like to really get along with like their parents and like for everything mm-hmm. to be great and for my parents to like them too. Cool. So they've met. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so my, my boyfriend has met my parents. I am constantly with my boyfriend's family here in Germany and, um, our respective, my boyfriend's mom and my parents have met. So in a short period of time, there's been these, you know, I feel, you know, very important exchanges, which lacked in my previous relationships too. And so I think what's good about this is having the indicator of, my parents and how they feel about it and as well of friends but that's a little more difficult because of the pandemic that wasn't you know oh yeah not being able to really meet but the parents side yeah very positive and and really good it makes more of a difference than 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 we think i i truly believe that now looking back at my previous relationships i think the only time and I'm trying to remember now, but I think the only time my parents have met the parents of my partner was probably when I was about 19, 20, 
And that is 17, 18 years ago. <laughs> so that's a long time ago. And that probably says a lot about the direction and the route I've taken in life in terms of the people I've been picking as my partners. But I, yeah, I mean, why do you think that's such a big deal? Well, I guess, I mean, for me, it's always been important what my parents think. But the thing is, the way that I worked in relationships before was I was either abroad, so it wasn't able, they weren't able to meet, or I rushed into things too quickly that it was too late for them to even have any input. Mm-hmm. And that was the situation, which at the end of the day was not ideal. So for me, I think it's very important and I'm just so glad that it's played out in this way that I've always kind of wanted it to play out in the past, but Mm -hmm. I just never managed to happen before. Right. Amazing. Yeah. When I think about it now, I, I would say that it's, it's not essential Obviously, if you really want to be with someone, then you should be with them no matter what their, um, you know, the, their connection is with, uh, between parents or their background. As long as you love that person and they love you, then yes, then, then there's no problem. However, I think the benefits of having certain aspects of a relationship mesh together seamlessly almost, you know, far outweighs a relationship where the, the, the pieces don't. So, um, if you can find that, uh, type of person who comes from a almost like a similar background to you i think that that's a that's a plus um because you know further down the line and and people again i think i think people people neglect thinking about these kinds of things early on um if you're gonna have kids then you're gonna want to have some kind of positive interaction between your parents and your families just so that the children have more of a support system as they're growing up. Um, you know, we, we know what's, what it's like, uh, when, when, when children don't have that, I think it, it really affects them developmentally. Uh, so, so yeah, it's just one of those things. I, I never really thought about it, you know, until I got to the point where I, I started to question morality. <laughs> I mean, uh, mortality, sorry. Um, and, and, and really kind of like wonder what's going to happen for the rest of my life. And if I'm going to have kids and things, and that was when I started to think about it, but what, how about, what's your thoughts about children? Oh, I mean, I love kids. I love children. I love babies. I go crazy every time I see them. Um, so yeah, I'd want my own for sure. I'd want a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, girl. I'd, I need a girl. I think I need a girl. <laughs> At least one girl. <laughs> Interesting. You know, because some, some yeah. women say, I got to have a boy. You know, it, it really, it's really dependent on, on, on what they've kind of like, I, I think it's due to their upbringing too. Like, you know, and your, and your parents, the relationship you had with your parents too. I mean, I, I want to, I don't know. I feel like if I'm going to have kids, I'd like to have a girl. Um, I think boys are, are really, can be really difficult you know, especially at the beginning, I have a, a cousin who is just a really amazing kid. He's, he's so smart, so intelligent, but he is a handful, like seriously a handful. And I have put myself in a position of like, could I bring up a kid like that and not get gray hair? And yeah, it's, uh, 
I'm sure I could do it, but like it, it is terrifying thinking about it right now. I'm sure you'd be a great dad and wouldn't have to worry so much about tantrums uh, and things. Well, time will tell, time will tell. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, in terms of your, your relationship with your partner now, how do you guys, since it's such an early, you know, relationship, early in the, on in the relationship, how are you guys kind of managing the um, expectations of, I guess, there's a whole honeymoon phase, right? And then I don't even know if you guys have gotten past that or if you're still in it. What do you think? I, I would say that we're still in it. Um, I, I honestly can't. <laughs> That's what I think. Um, people around us might say the same thing, but I can't even think of how things would be otherwise. And I kind of feel that, I mean, we, I mean, during the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of news of people getting together, you know, being creative with how they were spending time together and just breaking up because they couldn't stand each other. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and safe to say we have solidly spent, you know, days and nights and, and consecutively for months now. And we're very, communication is something we're very good at. If there's something that we're uncomfortable with, if there's something we need to talk about, but I feel that in terms of that honeymoon phase and the affection, um, it, uh, day in, day out, it's, it's there. And what's interesting, I'm not sure if you, you're probably familiar with the love languages, oh, yeah. the, the five love languages. And it's, it's interesting because um, in terms of affection, like my love languages have always been time, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and then physical touch actually scored very low, like zero to one. And, okay. Yeah. And ever since, and so I recently did it again. I was curious because I felt that this relationship changed my love language and how I expressed it and received it. And sure enough, it did. It did change the order from physical touch being last. It became third. Okay. Right. So interesting. I, yeah. So I felt, I feel like the dynamic we have is very synergistic, but um, I do feel that day in, day out, we still maintain this like level of affection, but balance because we do work together and um, we have plans to continue uh, starting businesses. So oh, you work together. We work, we work together a little bit. Yeah. In the health aspect of your career or in the other aspect? Well, small scale. Um, when we were in Manila, I started a bit of a food business. And oh. so we were working together there because we were producing together. We were producing the product. We were doing the pricing, the bottling. Um, we were doing everything, uh, discuss discussing. Here, um, my partner actually, his family is in the restaurant business. And so I help out now with that. So he works here. Uh, he works as a chef. He also works in service. And so I now help out. So that's how I have scored this part-time bar work. Oh, and, right. Um, gotcha. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Now I get it. Okay. Yeah. So you're very much, okay. Now you're very much kind of on another level. It would because you know working working with a partner is just a whole new thing like that's a whole new challenge in itself um but yeah. before we get to that let me go back to yes. the five love languages because yes. you know this is such a a huge 
I think it's a huge uh, discovery and also model for understanding how to be affectionate between each other. What are your thoughts so far about the effectiveness of the love languages? Is it something people should be learning about? I think that whether they're in a relationship or not, it is uh, applicable for like friendships and understanding yourself too, or even friendships, right? Like, are you a gift giver? Are you not a gift giver? So this is something that I found useful in my own like friendships with girlfriends and how they express their love language and how I give gifts and things like that. And being able to, when you're aware of it there, I think the value there is being able to kind of just go that extra mile to show that friend um, in a different way that might not be your way of expressing, but understanding that they receive it that way, just that's how it helps relationships. So definitely, I think it's important to, to know about it, whether in a romantic relationship or a platonic friendship. Right. I agree with you. I think it's applicable across the whole spectrum of relationships, not just romantic ones. Um, and I didn't know about it until probably, well, actually, I think, I think I learned about it maybe close to a decade ago. Um, and, and I would say it's changed, changed my life quite a bit, but you know, not, not dramatically. I think it's just helpful to know it, it you know what it, it really did for me. And, and this is why I agree with you that it's applicable to all types of relationships. It changed my relationship with my dad because I, for the longest time had thought my dad didn't show love right? He just didn't do it because he's, he's an Asian, right? He's born to Chinese parents and he came, he, he was, he grew up in a very difficult environment to put it mildly. So he tra- kind of like transferred a lot of that through uh, his children, you know, as you do as a parent, you kind of like, you project a lot of your trauma. Um, and for the longest time I thought he just didn't show love. He didn't care that much. Uh, until I realized there's different ways of showing love and different ways of receiving love. And so for him, giving gifts is his way of showing love because he never had anything when he was growing up. So he wants to give stuff so that you can like experience what he never did. Um, and that was his way of showing love. And when I figured it out, I was like, Oh God, I've really got to, you know, change or update the way that I see this, this father son relationship. So it's really changed things. And now our relationship's really great. As opposed to before it was kind of like, I had this almost like teen angst my entire life. Uh, so, so the five love language is really great. I think people definitely should give it a look. What are they? There's uh, physical touch. Um, there's words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, and acts of service, I think, right? Right. So those are the five love languages. And most people I have been in relationships with are motivated by receiving physical touch and probably words of affirmation, which probably says a lot about the people that I've been having relationships with. Maybe they've kind of had uh, an absence of that as they've kind of grown up. Do you think that maybe the absences of of certain languages are what drive us to crave them later? I think there's, there could be a component of that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, For that to resonate with you. And then I guess, 
there's also a component of having a similar love language. Right. Like you've had it your whole life. So that's what you're used to. And that's what you expect. Yeah. I think that could probably be more the case actually, you know, thinking about it now, that's probably, I mean, I don't know if this relates, but yeah, I think, I, th- I think, you know, in certain situations, like for example, if someone's been deficient in something their whole life, they kind of build up these kind of this, this coping mechanism and they don't, they don't, they don't expect that. They look for something, maybe something else. So yeah, interesting. The five love languages. I'm glad you brought that up because it's a really interesting subject. It's almost like, I mean, there's all, there's, there's other ways too of kind of, um, figuring out what makes people tick, you know, and there are things like the Myers-Briggs that mm-hmm. people probably have heard of. Um, there are other indexes that, that you can score uh, people's character traits on. And I think there's value in a lot of them. I wouldn't take any of them as kind of the gospel. Mm. But, um, but, but yeah, like if, 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 for example, your partner... Um, I, I mean, if your partner is, is kind of introverted, you know, maybe there's a different way of dealing with events that happen in your relationship than if he was extroverted, you know? Um, wh- wh- how would you say that you guys are, are communicating right now? Because it's really great that you're communicating so well early on. Do you think that that's going to, do you think there's a possibility that that could change or are you really confident that you're starting to set like the proper foundations for a healthy relationship? I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic. Yeah. And so, I, <laughs> um, but I would like, realistically, I do feel that it, it's a trend that would continue, especially since I have tended the way that I would deal with situations was if I'm uncomfortable about something, then I tend to, um, I tend to sh- kind of like shut down and process on my own and, and not really speak about it from the get go. And so what works for me is when I have a partner that challenges me and gets me to talk about it, it's, it is uncomfortable for me because it's not my comfort zone to do that. I, I prefer to like be quiet process. And then when I'm ready and collected, I can bring it up. But, um, but I found that they've challenged me to even in the past to speak about it right away because they were the type that wanted to talk about it right away and they couldn't handle any silence and I'm good at silence oh god I I, uh, know what that feels like and there's some situations that I've been in where forcing or at least pushing the 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 agenda of talking about it immediately is not gonna work they're 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 going to retaliate and explode or even kind of like hold some ants towards you because you're 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 kind of pushing them or pressuring them to do something they don't want to do but you're saying that that's a good thing for you for me initially that was and so so now the way that i actually communicate is i tell even even now with my partner i tell him um look you 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 kind of know the things that make me uncomfortable if you notice that this is how i'm acting he already knows how to react so he gives me his space he's just there 
he's present. You know, he, if he needs to hold me, he'll hold me. And that's it. Like, I won't say anything. He understands. And I tell him, you know, look, when I'm ready, then I'll, I'll tell you. And he knows exactly. And, I, and, um, and I'm a believer that I don't like to go to bed, you know, with, with any negative emotion and without talking about things. So he, that's the kind of communication where I've told him, look, this is, you know, now this is the way that I deal with it. Um, I just need that space. I appreciate when you're there, when you're just there in my space, even if we're not talking about it. And then when I'm ready, I do. And so he, he's prepared for that. He knows the events that kind of, and he can tell with me and sense right away when I'm uncomfortable or um, I need to talk about something. But if we're like in a public space, for example, I won't bring it up then because I, I need to be just with him if, if there are emotions that run. Yeah. So I tell him that's why I prefer be, to, to keep quiet until later after I've had some time to process and when I'm ready to open up uh, with whatever emotions come. And through, through that, he's very supportive and he understands. And so that's the kind of communication where we might have two different styles in dealing with things, but we make it clear to each other and we adapt and support each other through it. And then we deal with it together when we're able to. Right. How did you get to that point? Because that seems like so far away from a lot of, a lot of listeners. Um, I guess it was a combination of um, the knowledge. Well, first it's the motivation, right? Because when you're with the right person and you want to make it work, then you, you have to step out of your comfort zone sometimes and make an effort to do things. And so this was actually a very quick process. And because I was faced with a lot of change, you know, moving to a new country where I didn't understand the language and, you know, maybe other events that brought discomfort more often. And so I wanted to deal with it quicker. And so that communication happened quicker and that process happened quickly as well. So it was a combination of the events happening and the internal motivation that I want to make this work and I really care about you. Um, but this is how I deal with things. And I want you to know that because I know you deal with it a, a different way, but you're very supportive. So in a window of um, when we are really faced with those things, like a month, less than that, whatever it is, um, but very quickly. So I think it's a combination of those elements that brings success where you kind of have to push yourself a little bit outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and be able to communicate and, uh, and get through it step by step. And each time it gets a little bit better. Yeah. And, and you're, this is, this is basically a metaphor for anything in life. You know, if you want to improve something, whether it's communication in your relationship or whether it's, you know, your personal skills or whatever, your outlook in life in general, uh, you have to be able to recognize there's a, a gap between where you are now and where you want to be. And that gap is just basically a big unknown and it's uncomfortable. So, so, so we're, we're essentially what we're saying here is uh, improvement in any area of your life usually comes with a, a certain level of discomfort and you have to be willing to take that leap. Now, I don't know if you've read any books like Stephen Covey's uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, for example. 
Um, I actually haven't. I need to, but I do know the novel. I do know the book. Oh, it's it's fine. These these kinds of messages are replicated everywhere in different languages, different ways of. of but Stephen touches on something um, called stimulus and response, and. Uh, if we want to change our behavior, there is like I like I mentioned, when you're stimulated by something, whether it's something new or something that happens, he's actually referring to something that happens a lot. So if you've got like a, a conditioned response to something, maybe it's a relationship you have with your partner, you know, you kind of like you're always judging them about something uh, and you're always expecting them to act a certain way. There's a after they trigger you. There's a, there's a moment in time where you can catch yourself and decide what the next step is. And what usually happens is we run this program and it, it automatically outputs something, which is a response. But there's that point in time where we can stop ourselves and think, how do I want this to go? And that's where we can choose what our response is. So um, what I'm, yeah, I guess it just kind of like, it's, it's just elaborating on the fact that, you know, we can make that decision to go through that uncomfortable, un unknown aspect of growth and come out better on the other side. It's worth it. So worth yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, I actually, I really like what you've said there because I feel like um, sometimes there, there are people who have different uh, thresholds, right? And so when they, I guess, whether it be red flags, green flags, orange flags that come up and they decide, okay, I'm not going to raise this yet, but then it takes a few times and then you finally are triggered and you come to that point. Do I actually say something about it? Do I not? I've kept quiet. I've tried to adapt. Yeah. And then you, you make a little bit more of a move. Well, what do you think? I mean, if something happens that you kind of leaves you speechless in a really like because you know you're just still getting to know each other right it takes some time to really fully know someone and i think we probably don't know someone ever fully but but what do you think i mean if, if something pops up in a relationship leaves you speechless or kind of makes you wonder did that really just happen or how am i supposed to respond to this what what do you do what's your what's your best response to that kind of situation Hmm. Well, I think in that kind of situation, like if I were in something that were so great and then something just hit me and I was like, whoa, didn't expect that at all. I think that's a moment where I would I would bring it up right away and just be like, um, this is what this is what I thought. This is what's happened. Is this how it is? Yes. Yes. So again, bringing it to, to communication, but I think it's something like that, that would definitely have me approaching it right away than later. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Something that significant. It's funny. It's funny you say that. Cause I, I, I would bet that most relationships leave those kinds of things unattended for a while because they're, concerned about repercussions of security in the relationship, the feeling that they have at that point towards each other. It's everything's going well. There's no need to ruin things, you know, just maybe they didn't mean it. Maybe they meant something else or, you know, it couldn't, it might not even be a spoken thing. It could be a physical thing. It could be, like a behavior that they haven't seen before that just pops up. 
uh, and, and there's a kind of like a, there's a, uh, almost like an unwillingness to really fully just explore it just because, you know, there's that concern that you're going to change the situation out of your favor. Um, probably a lot more prevalent with narcissistic relationships, you know, where you're kind of walking on eggshells, like they say. But I think in, in, I think in most cases, yeah, there would be that moment, wouldn't there, where you kind of like, should I really say something about this? Or maybe I should just forget about it for now and like see if, see if things go, go a bit better. I, I agree with you. I think you should bring it up. I mean, right? That's, that's, that's the playbook. Bring it up and, and address it. Maybe going back to what we said before, like, look, there are, there are so many more reasons to address something immediately than there are to leave it. And even if, well, I think especially if it disrupts your relationship and it affects the way you interact with each other, that's probably a red flag, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, sorry. I mean, no, I was just thinking, because it is, it is subjective to the people in the relationship, but if it's something, I have been in relationships where there were too many red flags ignored, and that's why I'm now in this place. If there were a red flag, I'd want to know for myself if it were something that needed to be discussed or needed to be reevaluated on my side, because I've fallen into way too many relationships that were wrong and ignored multiple red flags beaming red so now it's like if those come up i need to for myself evaluate and and bring it up right did you did anyone in your circles um bring it to your attention that maybe there was a need to communicate with your partner about something that happened like for example you said there was a red flag in your relationship did you ever talk about that with your friends and then they were like, oh, you should do something about that. And then you didn't. Because you said you just ignored the red flags, right? Which, which I have done too. But mm. did anyone at any point bring it up to you and say, you should probably deal with that? Um, yeah, and that's the thing. In talking about previous relationships, um, I would be so invested in the relationship that even when people around me were telling me this is wrong, yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm making it work. I don't, I don't see what you're saying or I hear you, but I'm not really, you know, acting on anything. But so, looking back retrospectively, yeah. realize you, you should probably have done something. You should probably have kind of tried to try to address it in a different way. Don't you think that's just part and parcel of like life? I mean, do you think the teacher appears when the student is ready kind of thing? <laughs> yeah right I mean they're there no matter what and it's it's just about whether you're willing to listen or if you see it right yes or if you see what they're saying because a lot of the time at least me personally I'm the kind of person um, even if people tell me something I want to experience it myself or come to that realization myself and and that's what's happened so even though things were painful lessons were painful you do learn and you learn it firsthand, but I think, you know, I understand the value of having friends and family around you. So you don't have to go through things yourself. Yeah. But, yeah. um, you know, I was just the type that I, I wanted to do it, get through it myself and, and understand for myself. 
Yeah. Uh, this is such a, an interesting topic of thought and discussion around when is someone ready to receive a new way of seeing things, a new paradigm? Because obviously we all want to be the best we can be. We all want everyone else to be the best they can be deep down inside. I would say not on the surface sometimes, but deep down inside, most of us, all of us want everyone to be the best they can be. And so that, that, that whole kind of question about when, is this something that people are open to or are they just waiting for the moment where they become so fed up with their failure that they're ready to change? And I mean, I would I, I used to say I used to say something like, you know, people won't listen to advice until they are really seeking it which is probably mostly true. But now I, f I feel like the quality of the teacher is also so important um, because you've seen Inception, right? Yes, many times. Oh yeah, you've seen Inception and um, it's that kind of planting a seed in someone's mind. It's the craft of it that distinguishes a great teacher from just an average teacher. An average teacher will tell you what you need to do, but I think a great teacher will plant the seeds so that you can figure it out yourself. And, um, and, and so that's kind of the road that I'm going down now. So hopefully people that are listening to this and we're talking about things like communication, you know, how to deal with things that pop up that maybe you've never dealt with before. Um, do you, do, hopefully these people are maybe, you know, more uh, open to the idea of taking, you know, communication a lot more seriously, even if it means upsetting their partner, because the alternative is it probably, you know, if you, if you neglect these, these situations, it probably will tumble as things do into uh, a place where you don't want to be. And then you're, you know, you've kind of lost that time and that energy. And, and, you know, just on that note that you've mentioned and what we talked about earlier, bringing things up, even if you're uncomfortable with a partner and then maybe treading on eggshells and you're afraid of how it might rock the boat in the relationship. But I think that if you, another indicator of whether you're in the relationship is if that partner is there to listen to whatever you have to say and be open to working through it or be open to talking about it or be there to assure how you feel or just be, you know, make clear of whatever situation it was. And I think so at the end of the day, it is on both sides. So if you feel uncomfortable, I think the thing, the best thing about, um, my partner now is no matter how I feel, I know I can bring it up and he will listen and it won't rock the boat so much because he is willing to work also and, and uh, make the necessary changes if there are changes to be made or just um, clarify things that need to be clarified. So on either side, I think when you're in a relationship for anyone listening, I believe that there is, is value in bringing up whatever emotions you feel and not being afraid and knowing that your partner is also open to listen, not to judge you, not to react any negative way, but be open to listen and willing to work to move forward. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Culturally speaking, like, did your partner kind of spend most of his life in Germany? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, half and half, but a little more German Germany. Oh, okay. And is that because you know, I mean, German German culture is very straightforward, right? It's very direct compared to the Filipino culture. Probably opposite ends of the spectrum, I would say. So how do you navigate that together? Mm. I think the, the benefit is, although he spent most time in Germany, he still has that Asian side of him. Nice. He spent young years in Asia and also in Germany, so kind of back and forth. So he, I would say he has a nice blend. He is able to be very straightforward, but he is able to you know, really communicate in a way that is accommodating and, and gentle when it needs to be. Right. I understand. Yeah, that's good. It's very difficult as far as I can see to match those culture differences together seamlessly. You know, there's, there's and anyone listening to this, who's going through a long distance relationship or considering getting into one cultural uh, alignment, which is something I used to teach is something really, it's really powerful. You know, I mean, don't underestimate that. It's, it's fun though, isn't it? It's fun to meet someone who is so different to you and you can learn so much from each other, but then at the same time, there's that kind of demon that lives in, in between the cracks that pops out now and again. It's like, yeah, you know, how, why do you think that way? Like, how could you do something like that? You just don't, you just don't get each other immediately. You have to kind of like really work through things. And sometimes you never, I think sometimes, and that's part of the, (laughs) that's part of the fun thing about being in a relationship with someone who's from a very different culture is that it never gets boring. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. You're learning not only about the person, but the culture that you don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he, since he's, I mean, since he's half Filipino, I guess that, that, that really improves things a lot in, in that, in that area. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Have you dated people from who weren't half Filipino who were foreign? Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's kind of the thing that, um, that I've also come to realize is people in my previous relationships were never. I mean, I grew up with people just like myself, like you. We're mixed culture, third culture people. Um, but I was never really in a relationship with anybody that was of that, you know, mix also, that right. mixed culture. Um, maybe dated one or two, but nothing serious. And so it's made me realize the value of having that, um, that shared background in the success in a relationship and uh, as well even perhaps even with my parents too because they understand it of course having children of their own that are mixed and then their child being with someone that's mixed um and growing up in a similar kind of environment household background yeah you're half british right yes Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Is that your mom or your, or your dad? Yeah. My dad. Uh, okay. My dad. And did you spend any time in the UK? You know, it's crazy. I mean, I'm half British and UK citizen, but I've never even been to 
the UK. Wow. <laughs> so you've got a citizenship that you've never been? Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Which is crazy because, well, my dad, he migrated from England to Australia at a very young age. And so oh, he, had, he then obtained... So we've pretty much just been back and forth between the Philippines and Australia rather than to the UK. He never goes back, right? Is that why? He, yeah, he never goes back. And yeah, there's not much. I can't even... Really? I'm not surprised, is it? It's like, yeah, boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list, though. I'll have to go very soon, especially since I'm in Europe. So... No right. excuses. Well, that definitely. Yeah. You will have all the opportunities if you're going to continue to live in Germany yeah. to travel around and, and, and hit the UK at some point. Um, yeah. But yeah, interesting times ahead. Well, it's been an amazing conversation. I think we covered so much in, in, in a wide variety of different topics, but communication in general, I think we really kind of hit the nail on the head. And that is um, uh, like an excellent, I think, introduction to people who are just getting into, you know, relationships or they're going through challenges and they don't know how to address certain things with their partner. I think it all really boils back down to communication, you know, effective communication. So yeah. 100%.